We're going to be right in the middle of Joshua chapter 5. That's where we're going to start, at least, this morning. Uh, So, Pastor Chris and I had a discussion about who was going to preach at this service today, and we decided the only fair way to settle it was with arm wrestling, and (laughs) Chris Chris graciously let me win, so thank you, Chris, for for that. Uh, I've been super privileged in my life to have... uh, uh, lots of great mentors. I had a chance to go to a, really one of the best uh, seminaries on the West Coast, Western Seminary. Got to learn from a lot of amazing uh, preachers, uh, how to preach better. I've been critiqued by a lot of great preachers. Uh, I've had good mentors. I, I, my predecessor, Pastor Henry, was probably one of the best preachers that I've ever known in my life, right? Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, having, having him as a, as a teacher and mentor for so many years is just a, a huge blessing. Uh, but, but maybe one of the, one of the, the biggest, like, benefits and blessings in my preaching has been working with Pastor Chris. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but every week, uh, here in Esparto and there in Woodland, we're preaching the same passage. We're going through the same section of scripture. And what, uh, Pastor Chris and I do every single week is it, at the beginning of the week, we get together and we talk about what's coming up next. And we talk about that passage and, and we talk about what we've read and what we've learned and, uh, and, and it, it's just, it's so much fun. It's so much fun to have someone else that's every bit as like geeked out about scripture as I am to, to bounce ideas off of. And then all week long, we'll call each other when something comes to our mind, like, hey, I thought about this, or hey, I read this. And uh, that, that whole process just makes uh, makes the sermons so much better, so much richer, so so much full. And, and it's just just a ton of fun. So, uh, man, what a blessing it is to be able to work with, with Pastor Chris uh, on a weekly basis. Now, because I'm preaching this one and he's not, he and I didn't collaborate in the same way for this sermon. So if it's not as good as usual, now you know why, because I didn't have Chris's input. Uh, every book of the Bible... Every single book of the Bible has a theme, right? I mean, if you have a, a study Bible, or if you've uh, dealt with any kind of uh, Bible study tools, most of them will have kind of one overarching theme for for each book that just summarizes what it's about. With the book of Joshua, most commentaries uh, have the word conquest as the overarching theme of this book. And it makes sense, but... Uh, again, because a lot of what's happening is, is the conquest of the land. But I, I really don't think that's the main theme. I don't think conquest is really the main point of the book of Joshua. This isn't just like a record of some of the battles that took place during this period of time. This isn't just some some historical count, uh, account of, uh, of, the, uh, of the winning and the dividing up of the land. I really think that this book is is about so much more than that. Uh, I re- I think if I were to to give a a theme to this book, it would be God saves. I think that's really the theme of the book of Joshua. This is a book about God winning the battle for His people. Uh, j- just like that that song that we sang that Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Joshua didn't really fight the battle of Jericho, right? It was God that fought it. He just followed orders. This is a book about how success in life only comes from following God. This is a book about how salvation only comes from God. Only God saves. 
I mean, even the title of the book, right? Joshua, that name, Joshua, means Yahweh is salvation. That word, uh, Yeshua, Joshua, is Hebrew. In Greek, it's pronounced Jesus, which is translated into English as Jesus. Joshua and Jesus are the same name. They both mean Yahweh is salvation. And here in this Old Testament book of the Bible, over and over again, that salvation is found in God alone. And in the New Testament, we read over and over again that salvation is found through Jesus alone. Okay, so if you, if you remember back uh, at the beginning of our study in Joshua chapter 1, God tells Joshua repeatedly, over and over again, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. But, but not by, not by doing push-ups, not, not by lots of military exercises, not by reading lots of self-help books. No, the source of his strength and courage is supposed to come from where? From God, right, right, from God's promises and from, from listening and holding fast to God's word, not turning at all to the, to the left or to the right, but but staying right there in the middle of God's will and from the constant knowledge that God is with you because it's God who saves. In chapter 2, we read the story about Rahab, a resident of Jericho who ran a, a sort of hotel. <laughs> she risks her own life to protect the spies because she knows that their God is different. She trusts, even this, this Gentile, pagan, Amorite, trusts that God can save her. In chapter 3, we just learned about how when we follow God, He leads us right through deep waters into salvation because God saves. In chapter 4, they established a, a, a memorial, a monument, right? A, a rock pile so that whenever their kids ask, what's the deal with all these rocks, they can say... God saves. Let me tell you about this time that God saved us. And in, in the passage that we'll read today, it's all about this amazing victory over the city of Jericho. But even this story really isn't about the military success of the nation. It's not really a story about the, the conquest of this important uh, uh, strategic outpost This is just another example of how Yahweh is salvation. And then the battle, really it begins in chapter 5, verse 13. Follow along. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and, and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no, rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. Joshua did so. So here we find Joshua going to size up the city, going to check out what Jericho looks like. And he probably climbed to a nearby hill to get a better view. 
He encounters this man standing between the city that he wants to take and his own people. And this man is ready for battle. His sword is out and it's in his hand. And Joshua asks what I think is a fair question. What would be the obvious question here? Are you for us or for our enemies? Am am I going to have to fight you? I think that's what Joshua was asking. What's going to happen here? But the stranger says, no, neither, really. He says, I've come now as captain of the host of the Lord. Indicating that Joshua's question was wrong. The question is, Joshua, whose side are you on? Who are you following? This warrior identifies himself as captain of the host of the Lord in charge of the armies of God. And Joshua falls to his face. It's told to remove his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. Just, just like that voice did that came from the burning bush with Moses. Remember that? Who is this guy? Who is this warrior? Is it, is it an angel? Probably not. Angels don't usually like it when you worship them. And this, this guy says that, again, the same thing that, that the voice from the burning bush said, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. I think I would agree with, with most, most scholars here who think that this is the pre-incarnate Christ. This is the second person of the Trinity. This is Joshua face to face with the one who would one day be called Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. Remember, remember in the garden of Gethsemane when, when they came to arrest Jesus and, and Peter pulls out his sword and starts waving it all over the place and chopping ears off. And what does Jesus say? In Matthew 26, Jesus said to him, put your sword back in its place. Those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. And Jesus says, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Why why does Jesus say that there? I think because he knows that God will, because God has. Jesus has had legions of angels at his disposal. When? Right here. Right here in Joshua. I don't know about you, but the Bible is cool, right? It is amazing. In in light of who is standing in front of him, think about how foolish that question is that Joshua asks. Are you with me or with my enemies? Neither. Neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Whose side are you on, Joshua? The commentator David Jackman says this, the question is not whether the Lord is on our side or not, but whether we are submitted to His sovereign rule and authority, because He is the Lord of earth and heaven, to whom all power belongs. Victory. Success for Joshua, for us in our lives, 
It does not come from trying to get God on our side or get God to follow us. It comes when we learn to follow Him. And all too often we live our life trying to get God to join our side. Trying to to convince God to follow our lead. Praying for God to bless our will. Or, or bargaining with God so that, okay, if I do these things for you, God, then maybe you'll do these things for me. And then, and then too often we get mad and we throw a temper tantrum when God doesn't do the things that we think he should do for us. How could you do this? How, God, how could you do this to me? I thought you were on my side. There's, there's whole wings of Christianity that are all messed up and all about naming and claiming what you want, making God out to be some sort of like old doting grandpa or, or just, just granting your requests whenever you ask them like a genie. Victory doesn't come from getting God to be on our side. It'll come from doing exactly what Joshua does here. He bows before God and says, God, what do you want? What do you have to say to me? I'm your servant. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm completely at your disposal. I'm following your lead. Success comes when we stop trying to lead and we let God be out in front. And we don't do this enough. We don't do this enough. I think we would all admit, I would admit, we don't do this as much as we can, but don't feel bad. It's not just us. Even Joshua struggled, right? I mean, we're about to head from here into AI, which was a whole mess because God didn't lead. And then there was like that Gibeonite fiasco. And those are other sermons, but examples of how important it is to follow God's instructions. Victory comes when we follow God's instructions. Right? That's, that's what this uh, warrior does next. Look at Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Uh, now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out, no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. Here's how. You shall march around the city. All the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. Are you writing this all down? Are you getting all this, Joshua? There's a lot of instructions, but follow. The priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the trumpet's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout, with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city. Let the armed men go on before the Ark of the Lord. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets. 
And the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor let your voice be heard nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you shout. Then you shall shout. Weird instructions, right? They don't make any sense. It, it, it must have been at least a little bit awkward for Joshua to have to go to the priest and say, all right, here's how we're going to fight this. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, th- this is a dumb way to win a war. I mean, we, we all feel really silly marching around in circles, blowing trumpets, how about a battering ram? Have you ever heard we could do that? Or or maybe we could like try and tunnel underneath their walls. Or maybe we could cut off their food supply. That's the thing. We'll just seal them in there. They're going to have to open up eventually. We'll starve them out. Or maybe we could build some sort of dirt rampart. There's all kinds of ways that we've come up with uh, over the years of fighting each other that we could go at this, Joshua. Let's try one of those maybe. And I'll guarantee you that no one inside the city, no one in Jericho understood what they were doing out there. I mean, no one watching would have thought that they were in danger of these marching trumpeteers, right? Not a single soul on earth would have thought, yeah, that's how you went. This is just silly. It's just silly. Silly instructions. So why? Why? Are the Israelites willing to do something that no other army, no other nation on earth ever would have done? Because God told them to, right? Answer's simple. Not that complicated. God said, here's what we're supposed to do. March around the city in this order, blowing these trumpets with the ark there and the fighters there. So that's what we're going to do. I don't care what you think there in Jericho. I don't care what you guys think. Uh, we, we don't care about the rest of the world. We don't care what works for other people in their lives. What we care about is what God told us to do. We're simply going to do what he says. And this should be us, right? All day long, this should be us. Christians should be people who are constantly doing things that seem weird to the rest of the watching world out there. To, to the rest of the world who doesn't follow the same set of instructions, the way we live our life should seem odd. Doing things that, that no one else does. Living our lives in ways that, that no one else thinks that's a good idea. Why? Because God told us this is what we're supposed to do. We're going to be people of, of grace and forgiveness and love, not people who are angry or spiteful or bitter. Why? Because God told us to. We're going to be people who are able to show hospitality better than anybody else. Why? Because God said we should. We are going to be People who are so incredibly loving of our wives and respectful of our husbands. Why? Because that's what Ephesians 5 tells us we should do. We we are going to be people who, who preserve the sanctity of sex within marriage, even though everybody else thinks that's weird and old fashioned. Why? Because God said that's the right way to live. We don't care what other people think. We're just going to follow God's instructions, not their opinions. 
in the way we treat others and in the way we run our households and with our marriages and with our jobs and with our families and with our worship and with our bodies and with our minds. We're going to seek out God's way. We're going to try and figure out what God's will is and then we're going to obey it. We're going to do it that way because we trust him. We're going to follow his instructions only. Victory, success in our lives is going to come when we follow God's instructions. Finally, when, when we not just follow God's instructions, but when we follow them completely. What happened when they marched around the city six times? Nothing happened, right? What happened after marching around the city uh, seven times? Well, nothing still What would have happened if on the fifth day, they all thought, you know what? This isn't working at all. Nothing is changing. The walls are still there. My feet hurt. This is not going to work. They're all laughing at us. up. I can hear them shouting insults to us from the other side of the wall. This is dumb. Let's just do it our own way. Let's find a better way. Failure would have happened if they'd have made that choice. Only after seven times around on the seventh day and after blowing the horns and shouting loudly did the walls fall down. I admit it often, we try God's way. Like, all right, God, I know what it says. I know what you want me to do. I'll try it. And we try it, right, for a minute or two. And then, ah, nope, it's not working, God. Nothing's happening. I'm just, I'm just going to do it my own way. I'm just going to go back to doing things my own way. I tried it. I tried to be extra loving to my wife, and she's still mean to me. I, tr- I tried being respectful to my husband, but he still doesn't love me in the way that I want him to. I tried being patient and gracious with these hard people, but they're so dumb, God. You don't even know. <laughs> they keep taking advantage. I tried not being angry at my kids, but they're annoying. Not my kids. You're you're awesome. I love you. (laughs) We try doing it God's way. And when he doesn't fix things as, as quickly as we think he should, or as completely as we think he should, we give up and we just do it our own way. We just do what we want. The Israelites here, they trusted God and they obeyed all the way in every single little detail. They had faith that God would grant them victory and rest. In Hebrews, in the list of the the heroes of the faith, Hebrews 11.30, it says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. It was their faith, their trust in God and obeying what he told them to do that caused those walls to fall. Joshua leads his people to victory and to rest through the power of God. But it was only temporary. It wasn't lasting. Right right after this book comes Judges. And there's a lot of drama in that book. Ah. Joshua was a type of Christ. 
showing us how God saves when we follow and when we obey and when we cling to him. But full and complete victory and rest come only through Jesus Christ. We follow God when we repent of our sins and place our faith in Jesus. When we make him our Lord, when we bow humbly, just like Joshua did and say, whatever you want me to do, What do you have to say to your servant, Jesus? I'll do it. And we follow God's instructions when we open up his word and when we read what God has to say to us and and when we obey it. And we follow God's word completely. When we get to that place in our lives where we can obey what God has to say to us Even when we don't see results as quickly as we think we should. And even when the rest of the world is saying, no, don't do it this way. Do it our way. What we need to do is make sure that we are following God completely. Following his instructions, even though the rest of the watching world thinks that living by the Bible is silly. Following all of it completely, even though, even though people don't understand. We need to not grow weary of doing good. Don't give up because our God saves. God, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this section of scripture that teaches us about salvation that only comes through you. You are a God who saves. It doesn't come through us, through our strength, through our gritting it out, through our trying hard, through our works, through our anything. Lord, you are the God that saves. Pray, dear God, that we would be people who would bow humbly. Lord, that whatever you have to say to us, we'd be willing to do. Wherever you want us to go, we'd go. Help us to live our lives In your will. That's where we want to be. We know that right there in the center of your will is the safest place we could possibly be, God. That's where we want to live, following your instructions completely. God, thank you for the victory and the security and the rest that you give us. Thank you for Jesus Christ, for saving us. Thank you, God, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.